Last week, it was just pitchers and catchers. But this week, everybody will be at Orioles spring training. The first full squad workout and the first spring training game of this February coming up on Saturday. So no better time than now to open up the mailbag, a spring training live mailbag edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today, if you are watching live here, is Sunday, February 18th. If you are listening after the fact, it is Monday, February 19th, 2024. As always, I am your host, Connor Newcomb, and you are listening or watching the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today, I wanted to do a live mailbag. Haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks. Been doing them throughout the offseason, and basically it works like this. If you have any Orioles questions, leave them in the chat, and I will get to as many of them as I possibly can. And as usual, plan to go about 30 minutes. It might go longer if we get a lot of questions in the chat with spring training. Really kicking off with the first full squad workout of the spring coming up this week. Kind of a perfect time to start answering your Orioles questions here on a Sunday evening. And hey, it's the first Sunday without football, so pretty much officially Orioles season, pretty much officially baseball season. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers can join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So got a couple of questions on the mailbag from people who said they either couldn't tune in live or were just worried about not getting their question in and so sent them to me. So I wanted to start the day with a question from Izzy who asks, with both Kyle Bradish and John Means dealing with these elbow issues, how active should the Orioles be in pursuing either Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery? Now, this is a great question to start off with, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to have similar questions in the chat. I still don't think the Orioles are going to pursue one of those guys if they are still commanding the five, six-year deals that both of them certainly went into the offseason looking for. But we are into spring training. Spring training has started. We are more than halfway through February, and neither Jordan Montgomery, arguably the best starting pitcher throughout the playoffs on the team that won the World Series, or Blake Snell, who won the NL Cy Young Award last year, they don't have contracts. And so there's been some writing, and MLB Trade Rumors was on top of it late last week, that like, what would it take for one of these guys to take a shorter-term deal at this point because it's February? And then maybe try and up their value more and potentially even next offseason retest the free agent market. Because there was something about it that was tough considering Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto were both free agents this year well above those two guys. And Aaron Nola was a free agent as well. And you could argue him versus Snell and versus Montgomery. But even so, I mean, the National League Cy Young Award winner should have a contract by now. And I understand the drawbacks of Blake Snell. But to be honest, the Orioles should do it. And I tweeted this out last week. I said something like a short-term contract with opt-outs. Three years, $100 million with opt-outs after every season. So Snell could secure, you know, at the very least, $33 million this year. And then if he likes where he is and he's pitching, you know, solid but not amazing, he comes back and gets $33 more million. And then $33 more million. And that can work out for Snell. And if he pitches even better and wins the AL Cy Young, 
He can just opt out and get the longer-term contract. And on the Orioles side, even if Blake Snell takes a step back, you're only committing to three years here. That's not much money. And $33 million, yeah, it's a lot to give to one player, but that's a guy at the top of your rotation. And once David Rubenstein takes over for this sale, that money's going to be a lot less of an issue than it would be with John Angelos. The big issue, I think, is John Angelos is still the control person. Rubenstein has not been confirmed yet as the Orioles' new owner, and I don't think Angelos is approving any contract to a guy like Montgomery or Snell. But with Bradish and Means out, either one, I think, would be an incredible fit to go and get and to really, really add to this rotation. Chris has a similar question here asking, would you rather acquire another starting pitcher via trade or free agency or just stick with what we have? I think John Means will be back fairly early. I honestly think in April he'll pitch in an Orioles uniform, but we just don't know about Kyle Bradish right now. And it scares me that Bradish, I mean, could be headed towards Tommy John and miss the next year and a half. He's an incredible pitcher. He finished fourth in Cy Young voting. That's going to be a huge guy to miss. And I know the O's went and got Corbin Burns, but the Orioles, you know, reporting over the weekend had them very, very engaged throughout the offseason with talks for Jesus Lazardo with the Marlins. They still have the prospects to go and get that deal. Now, that reporting did say that the Marlins asked for Samuel Basayo and the Orioles didn't want to give him up. The Orioles kind of turned towards Corbin Burns and got the deal that they wanted. That could be a deal you still make, but the Marlins have to be willing to move off of Basayo. And if that's not going to be the case, if Montgomery and Snell are still right there, it's just money. And here's the thing. If you can get this Rubenstein deal approved maybe in the next week or so, he can take over and those two are still out there. That to me is the perfect timing right there to go and get one of those guys. It just would be easier. You give up less prospects and when money is much less of an issue, hopefully with this new ownership group. Brandon with a question here. Any Sarasota tips? I am planning a trip at the end of February. Brandon, I am not the person to ask here. I have actually still never been to Orioles spring training. Now, it is certainly on my bucket list to get down to Sarasota. I'm sure there are plenty of people in the comments right now though, that can help you out that have been to Sarasota for O spring training. So let's uh, certainly help Brandon out here. Orange Boy HD with the question, Henderson or Holiday as the future Orioles shortstop? It's Gunnar Henderson. I mean, everything we know from their prospect days and from Henderson's major league days he is not only a better hitter with a higher ceiling than Holiday, he is a better defender at shortstop than Holiday, both right now and in the future, I think. He's just the better overall player. That's not to take anything away from Jackson Holiday. He's going to be great, but Henderson's just a notch better basically everywhere across the board. He's going to be the shortstop. I don't think if it's it's an issue if for the next six years, Henderson's at short and Jackson Holiday's at second. That sounds like a pretty good up the middle for a team to have, but I would definitely go to Gunnar Henderson as that guy. Question here from Chris. Do you think the Orioles can win the World Series with this current rotation? Now, I'm going to take that question as Bradish out, but Means in at some point. Now, if you're asking if for some reason Bradish and Means both miss the season, I'm going to say no. A rotation of Burns, Rodriguez, Kramer, Irvin, and Wells, that's not going to be enough. Now, if you're saying Means comes back in April or May, but you lose Bradish, then you're looking at a different equation. You're probably looking at Burns, Rodriguez, Means, Kramer, and then a combination of Wells and Irvin at the number five spot with the other one in the bullpen. That is a tick up. I'm not sure there, but it's not that far off from what the Orioles rotation was last year, and they won 101 games. Now, yes, they did get swept out of the postseason. 
they can still win a World Series with that rotation because of the offense and the other pieces around it. But even if Means is okay for most of the season, if the Orioles don't have Bradish for the entirety of this year, at the very least, I see them going after a starting pitcher at the trade deadline because that's not going to be a rotation that carries them to a World Series. But I think it is a rotation that can win a World Series if it's getting help from all of these talented hitters that the Orioles have. Chris, different Chris, third different Chris, with a question, who's in or out, McKenna or Urias? Now, there is a potential scenario where the final bench spot for the Orioles, the final hitter on the roster, does come down to Ryan McKenna or Ramon Arias. And if it does, it's an easy answer for me. I mean, you would have to factor in, okay, what else is going on on the roster because one's an outfielder and one's an infielder. But to me, it's easy. Ramon Arias is just across the board the better player. He's just better than Ryan McKenna. I mean, there's there's no disputing that. So I'm taking Ramon Arias over Ryan McKenna every single day. Nathan with a question here, thoughts on the bullpen. Should we grab another arm for the pen? Nathan, 100% yes. And the reason is, not only do the injuries to Bradish and to a lesser point, but still means take away from the rotation, right? That, that moves Cole Irvin and Tyler Wells into the rotation. It takes out two of your projected starters. Wells and Irvin were both projected to be in the bullpen on opening day. So it's not like you're just calling up two starters from AAA to replace them. You're taking two guys out of your bullpen, and you could argue Cole Irvin wasn't going to be a huge part of the pen, but I think if Tyler Wells was going to start the year in the bullpen, he was going to be a huge factor as a relief arm, and at least for now, he's got the inside edge to be one of the five starting pitchers to begin the season. That leaves a gaping hole, you know, plus you traded away D.L. Hall, who was going to be a big part of this bullpen as well. Even before we learned about the Bradish injury, I talked about how I felt like the Orioles needed one more reliever. Now that they have those injuries and there's kind of two more open spots in the bullpen, there's basically four locks and four open spots, I would totally go and get a veteran. The issue is, Nathan, and I talked about this on one episode last week, there's basically nobody really out there in terms of free agents that's worth it to go get when you're talking about relievers. But if you want to make a trade, relievers much cheaper to trade for than starters, I could see kind of an interesting solid middle relief arm coming over in a trade for Ramon Arias. That is something that would, I think, really, really interest me. I think could be really, really good for this Orioles team. Here is another question from Sparkless Sweets. Do you think Tyler Wells would be content being the setup man or the closer, or do you think he had his heart set on being a starter? Now, I think Tyler Wells, if the Orioles rotation can get healthy, needs to be okay with being a setup man, because that's probably going to be his role if Bradish and Means both pitch this year. But I will tell you this, Tyler Wells wants to be a starting pitcher. If anything over the last few years has shown us how good he's been when he's been starting and how devastating he's been when his body has just let him down in the second half of each of the last two seasons, he wants to be a starter. Now it's going to be all about how he fits the team, but he's going to get a chance to do it because of these injuries. He's going to start the year most likely in the rotation, and uh, we'll kind of see where he goes from there. Jack with a question here, biggest threat to the Orioles in the AL East? You want to say the Yankees, right? Because they added Juan Soto. I get that the Yankees had a down year last year, but a lot of it was injuries. And now they added Juan Soto to a, a lineup that already had Aaron Judge. But honestly, it's the Rays. Every year it's going to be the Rays. It was the Rays certainly last year. They're going to just continue to do it and do it. To me, they are the biggest threat to the Orioles. Keep those questions coming in. Got some great questions in the chat. Again, pop those questions right here in the chat for this live mailbag. We will get to as many as we possibly can coming up right after this 
break. But this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, I get that the football season is over, right? It's a sport that certainly dominates America, but the sports landscape continues on. And we are right into the NBA season this weekend was the All-Star Weekend, and you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 just if your bet wins. And you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to shoot your shot with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So we are here on a live Locked on Orioles mailbag episode on a Sunday evening, answering your Orioles questions. Again, leave your questions in the chat, in the comments here on YouTube, and we will get to as many of them as possible. All-Star Sky with a question here. Do you believe the O's current roster and the competition in the AL East that they can realistically repeat in winning the division? I absolutely do. Losing Kyle Bradish is a huge disappointment for this team especially if he's out the whole year not having John Means at the beginning is tough but if you're thinking okay Corbin Burns replaces Kyle Bradish and you didn't have John Means last year anyway it's mostly the same team that just won 101 games so yeah it would have been nice if they had upgraded more and don't get me wrong Corbin Burns is a great upgrade but now that you lost Bradish you're still taking a little bit of a step up but you're also a step down in Craig Kimbrell replacing Felix Bautista because you just had to do what you got to do Bautista goes down but yes, this is still a team that can certainly repeat and win the AL East again this year. Question here from Walter. This is a good one. Do you think the O's will look to trade any of their newly arbitration-eligible players to free up space and or extend the prospect pipeline? Highlights would be Mountcastle and Arias and Tyler Wells as Super 2. I don't see the Orioles starting with Wells. I don't see the Orioles doing it with Wells because even if he gets pushed out of the starting rotation at some point, he's such a valuable reliever that I think he sticks there. And I really don't see, especially, especially with the Orioles potentially missing Kyle Bradish for a long time and even into next season if he gets Tommy John, I don't see them dealing away a pitcher that's still just newly arbitration eligible. But... The guys that are hitters are possible. Now, Walter, this is actually less of a question, I think, now once David Rubenstein takes over the team because they won't be as penny-pinching with the player budget as they were under Angelos. But it's still something to think about because even if you're not worried about the raises in arbitration, you're still worried about the space on the roster. And I think most people believe that Jackson Holiday, Jordan Westberg, Kobe Mayo are all better than Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo. And you'd like to get something out of Arias and Mateo instead of just eventually DFAing both of them to open up roster spots for your talented prospects. So yes, I think it's something they look for. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Elias is shopping around Ramon Arias a little bit right now to look for bullpen help as I added just a couple of questions ago. Here's a question from Adit. Could the Orioles be approaching Bradish as a, quote, second-half trade acquisition and have him more fresh for July onwards if his throwing program goes well and one of Irvin Wells or Chase McDermott pitches well for the O's? It's hard to answer this question because that would be like an okay outcome here. I talked about when I, I discussed the Bradish issue on Friday's episode. If you haven't checked that one out, make sure to go back 
and watch or listen to that one. But I talked about how there has been guys who have gotten this PRP injection that Bradish got and have actually avoided Tommy John surgery, but those guys still miss time. And I came up with one example. I forget which pitcher it was, but he had gotten the injection in spring training and he was basically ready in July to go and, and seemed to be okay-ish. At least the UCL was okay after that. So you could see Bradish get the injection, recover well from it, and it still could take until after the All-Star break. But if you're adding Kyle Bradish after the All-Star break, then yeah, that's a second-half trade acquisition. But you have to remember, a week ago, we all thought we were having Kyle Bradish for the entire season. And even the Orioles a month ago, before he felt the injury, thought they were getting Kyle Bradish for the entirety of the season. So I don't think you can quite treat it like that. Now, whenever you get him back, that's going to be huge for this team. But you can't treat it like, oh, we're just going to get him back in the second half. We don't have to add via the trade deadline. We don't have to add more pitching. You got to go and still add to this team. And, and M. Bison with a good comment here. More pitching can't hurt. That is correct. Nathan with another question here. Who's your top three or so guys to watch during spring training? Now, obviously, I'm for this question, not going to name like Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and Corbin Burns because they're just probably the best three players on this Orioles team. But guys that I'm really intrigued to watch this spring training, number one is Cole Irvin for me, especially now that he's been jettisoned into a starting rotation role. Now we don't know how long he'll hold that role, and it's a possibility that you know Means misses three weeks and comes back and, and takes that fifth rotation spot back from Cole Irvin. But Irvin has a chance that he, a couple weeks ago, didn't think he would have a chance to really start the year in the rotation and prove that he can be the pitcher he was two years ago, three years ago in Oakland, eat some innings, be solid, and just be a good, reliable lefty at the back end of the rotation. He also posted on Instagram the other day that he might have some new stuff in his repertoire. That I am really interested to see from Cole Irvin. So we will kind of keep our eye on that and see what Cole Irvin can do. Obviously, number two is Dylan Tate. I mean, missing all of last year with the forearm and the elbow injuries. We really don't know what the full story was there. We don't know where he was at times. But Tate is back and presumably healthy in spring training. If he can be back to his 2022 self with the Orioles, that is going to be a gigantic, I mean, enormous boost to the bullpen. I am really, really intrigued to watch Tate that first time out there. He's in a spring training game. That's going to be something that we definitely want to keep an eye on. And then, really, to me, the last one to watch, there's a couple more guys I want to see, but I want to see how Colton Kowser responds. You know, it was good in AAA. It was not good when he got to the big leagues, and honestly, he was not as good when he went back to AAA at the end of last year. So I really want to see how Kowser responds because there is a path for Colton Kowser to make the Orioles' opening day roster, but he's really got to impress in spring training, and we'll see how he deals with, like, a little bit of pressure here after, you know, not a great opening to his big league career at the end of last season. Looking through for some more questions here and got a question from another Chris. I believe this is our fourth different Chris to ask a question. A lot of Chris's in the chat. Will you be at opening day this year, Connor? That is TBD. I currently don't have tickets to opening day and it's what, five, six weeks away. That doesn't mean I won't be at opening day, but right now we shall see. But, uh, it could happen. I've only been to one opening day before, actually. I believe it was the Adam Jones walk-off 2018, I believe it was, opening day. That's the only one um, that I have been to. 
Aiden with a question here. What kind of chance do you think Cade Povich has at breaking camp with the club? Could allow Cole Irvin to remain in the pen. Aiden, sorry about this one. I give Cade Povich about a 0.1% chance to make the club. He needs a lot of work, I think, in AAA. The stuff is there, but the ERA and the results were not in his half season in AAA last year after getting called up from Bowie. He's going to need some more innings in Norfolk. And I just think Cole Irvin is such like a solid option to have at the back end of the rotation. Now, if Povich really wows, like, yeah, the Orioles have open rotation spots now. He could win one of them, but I just think Cole Irvin is starting at such a higher place than Cade Povich is. He would need to just be extremely good. And even then, the O's might still put him in AAA. I just think it's it's going to be very, very tough for him to make the team out of camp. Don, with a question here, do you think they make another trade before opening day? I just kind of talked about it, about how I think like Arias or something like that for a reliever would be good. I'm going to say no in terms of like a real trade. They might add on the margins, you know, another cash considerations deal, something like that. But a, a trade where they trade away a prospect for a big leaguer, I'm going to say no. But keep an eye on those days right before opening day when players go on waivers. That's how the Orioles picked up Danny Coulomb a day before opening day. And I mean, you could argue Danny Coulomb was the Orioles third best reliever last year besides Cano and Bautista. That was an incredible pickup. Look for them to try and find another Danny Coulomb right before uh, opening day this year for the Orioles. Nate the Great with a question here. Could we see Chase McDermott being called up within the first few weeks of the season, not as a starter, but as a reliever to help the bullpen? Nate, I think this is kind of one of two for Chase McDermott here. I think if he's really impressive, we could see him in the bullpen immediately, especially if the O's don't add any more outside help to that pen. But if he does go to AAA, I don't think the Orioles will say to McDermott, hey, you're going to be a reliever in AAA and we're going to get you to the bigs as fast as possible. If McDermott doesn't make the opening day roster, which his chances are, are not very big to make it, it's because, you know, the O's had better options and they want to continue him as a starting pitcher. What I will say is I could see them doing something with Chase McDermott this year like they did with D.L. Hall last year, not in that they deloaded him and sent him to Sarasota to weightlift. But it could be a spot where, okay, it's after the All-Star break. The Orioles need a reliever. McDermott's pitching pretty well, not like lighting the world on fire, but pretty well as a starter in Norfolk. But the stuff looks good. And the Orioles say, all right, Chase, we need you as a reliever in the big leagues. So we're going to dial it down in Norfolk over the next couple of weeks. You're going to pitch in shorter stints. And then, you know, two, three weeks from now, we're going to call you up in August to join the bullpen. I could certainly, certainly see that happening for Chase McDermott. Another question from Nathan. Do you think the Orioles would start Jackson Holiday on opening day to try to get the extra draft pick or wait to get the extra year? That is really the big equation here. If they do start him on opening day and he wins rookie of the year, the Orioles will get a draft pick similar to what they got from Gunnar Henderson last year. But if they hold him down for, you know, usually three, four or five weeks and they cross that deadline for earning a year of service time, you could get an extra year on the end of Jackson Holiday. Now, maybe that's less of a factor with the new ownership, you know, not wanting to penny pinch and keep players for around as long as possible because they know they won't extend them. Maybe David Rubenstein has, you know, bigger idea of just extending Jackson Holiday so they don't have to worry about that extra year. But I'm waffling back and forth so much on Jackson Holiday. I really do want to wait and see how he performs in big league spring training. Right now, I'm going to lean he starts in Norfolk and the Orioles say because they want him to work on his second base defense. But it's something they're certainly factoring in. And again, you don't get guaranteed the pick, but you also get a really good player from opening day. If you start him at opening day, it's certainly going to be a tough call. I'm leaning no right now for him making the opening day roster. 
But keep coming with those questions here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles podcast on YouTube. One more break here, and then we'll come back answering more of your mailbag questions on this live mailbag episode. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, eBay Motors is the spot for your ride or die. Because passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. So with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. So we're back here on a live mailbag edition of the Locked On Orioles podcast. If you're watching live on a Sunday night, if you're listening in, it is here on a Monday. We thank you so much, for everyone who has submitted questions so far. Continue to submit your questions in the chat here, in the YouTube comments. Going to try to go for about 10 more minutes answering your Orioles questions, and we will continue on here. We got a question here from We've Got Movie Sign. Matt Crook's minor league numbers look interesting. Do you think he stays? Matt Crook, who the Orioles acquired on basically a, a glorified waiver claim, a left-handed reliever from the New York Yankees earlier today. I'll actually be talking about him on Tuesday's episode. So I think he stays throughout spring training, but definitely listen to Tuesday's episode. I will do a deeper dive on him. Adit, with a question here, who do you think is the surprise reliever that comes out of nowhere and becomes a fixture by the end of the year, a la Felix and Yenir Cano? Felix and Yenir Cano, yeah, I guess Felix was 2022. It was Cano and, and probably Danny Coulomb in 2023. Although the have had a lot of those guys over the past few years. I'm going to stick with Tucker Davidson. Came over from the Royals on waivers this offseason, former Braves pitching prospect, just a really, really dominant splitter from the left side with some solid other stuff. I don't know. I think the Orioles can do something there. Well, he will be like a solid reliever by the end of the year, and, and we won't be able to really believe it. However, I don't know if he has the ceiling of like a Cano or a Felix to be that good. So if you're looking for somebody to take the step to be just that, that good and be almost untouchable at times, let's go with Brian Baker. He's got the stuff. He's got stuff plus wise. Only D.L. Hall and Felix Bautista on last year's team. Better than Brian Baker in stuff. If he just finds that command, he can really be that that good. Can you be? Here we go. KJB with a question here. What surprise player makes the opening day roster in your opinion? How about this one? Some of the Orioles just acquired last week. How about Peyton Burdick for potentially making the opening day roster? The O's, I think, won a better option than Ryan McKenna as like that fourth, fifth outfielder and a right-handed hitter. Sam Hilliard, who's on the 40-man, is a really good option, but he's a lefty. Jorge Mateo could fill that role because Michael Elias, as he said, he's going to work out more and more in the outfield this offseason, but it's still not his natural position. Look out for Peyton Burdick. He's got big exit velocity numbers. He's got a big hole in his swing, but he can play all three outfield positions. He can throw. He can run. He's an interesting prospect. Look out for Peyton Burdick potentially to uh, take that spot. 
John with a question here. What are we going to do with Heston and Kowser with the outfield full? Feel like you can't have guys like that that sit all year. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Heston Kerstad and Colton Kowser. There is actually a chance that neither of them make the opening day rosters. The chance they both start basically in the everyday lineup in Norfolk for a month and just get some more at-bats while the Orioles sort out the other guys in the outfield. But my prediction is just one of the two makes the opening day roster. There's a chance that both make it. But I think there's not going to be a lot of playing time for both of them if they're there. I'm right now projecting that Kerstad makes it and Kowser starts the year in AAA. Now, they're both, I think, going to play solid to big roles for the Orioles at some point in 2024. I just think they need Kowser to go to AAA Norfolk and continue to work on the center field defense. Because if he can prove that he can play center field, which I don't really think he's done yet... That makes him so much more valuable to this Orioles team, especially with how the roster is set out now. If he can't, there's bigger questions for him. But I think right now what they'll do, they'll start with Kerstad in the bigs, Kowser in the minors. They'll each get a big amount of plate appearances, and then they'll wait for a month, six weeks, and kind of essentially go from there. All-Star Sky with another question. Do you think there's a chance that Corbin Burns gets extended, or is this just a one-year acquisition? There's always a chance. We know from what he said time and time again, Corbin Burns wants to exercise his right and go to free agency. Totally get that. He wants to explore his options. However, that does not mean the Orioles can't be the team in free agency that signs him. And again, I continue to harp on it, but with David Rubenstein and the new ownership group taking over, it's no longer Angelos. Maybe they're willing to give out that deal. So maybe Burns tests free agency, and then next December or January, he ends up re-signing with the Orioles. What I don't think is going to happen, we're not going to get you know announced in July that Burns has signed an extension with the Orioles. That's just not going to happen. He's going to hit free agency, but that does not stop him at all from returning to the Orioles. Chris, with a question here, which under-the-radar Orioles prospect are you excited about? Well, I love my guy Maxwell Costas. Uh, I've known him for a long time. He might get a chance at AAA this year. First baseman, right-handed, good batter's eye, really good power. They're trying to find another position for him to play defensively. That's kind of been a struggle for him throughout his college and professional career. But the bat is fun to watch, and I am always going to be tuned in to anything Maxwell Costas is doing on the baseball field. And then to me, I just think this will be the year that Dylan Beavers puts everything together with that swing and takes just a meteoric rise to the Orioles system. I'm not sure if that finishes in the big leagues, but I think it finishes as a Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad type numbers in AAA. That means we're really thinking about Dylan Beavers in 2025. John, with another question, what do you think we should do with the guys who can't start on the big league club but are sort of ready to be up, like Norby and Mayo, etc.? I think both of those guys, again, they will start in AAA Norfolk, Connor Norby and Kobe Mayo, and potentially Colton Kowser as well. Although I think Norby and Mayo are in different spots. Connor Norby is a good player, a good hitter. He's got a really nice bat. I don't see, unless there's injuries, a spot for Connor Norby to play for the Orioles this year. Quite frankly, I think if the Orioles make another trade, specifically a trade at the deadline, it just feels like Connor Norby's going to be one of the guys. Joey Ortiz was in a similar spot, maybe a little bit of a touch ahead of Norby. It's just really tough for me to find him a regular spot with the Orioles. And I think at every spot you could find for him, there's a better option right now in the system. That's nothing against Norby. He's a great player. I just think he's going to thrive somewhere else. But for Mayo, just be patient. And in the second half of this year, if the Orioles have an opening at third base and he's still crushing AAA, he's very young still. But I think we could see him in the big leagues. 
Corey with a question, if the White Sox lower their price, will they still be in the mix for Dylan Cease? If the White Sox lower the price, the Orioles will certainly be in the mix for Dylan Cease. But right now, all the reporting says that the White Sox are not lowering the price. Nobody wants to pay that price. And most likely, he's going to be on this White Sox team and start opening day. Maybe they rehash things at the trade deadline. Maybe they wait until next offseason to rehash things. But otherwise, yeah, they'd be interested. But right now, I don't think they're lowering it at all. Orange Boy HD with another question. What happens with Masson with Rubenstein buying the team? That is kind of the big question. We got reporting, uh, I believe today, from Forbes that Masson didn't actually add at all to the sale price of the team. Rubenstein basically got Masson for free because it's kind of such a disaster. One of two things will happen. Rubenstein will either overhaul it, pour some money into it, and make it better. Or he will sell it off to someone else who will kind of reimagine it and still show Orioles games. I guess the third thing is it just kind of dies off and the Orioles go into that group of teams that MLB eventually just broadcast their games with a streaming deal, which doesn't seem all that bad. They did a nice job with it when they had to because of those failing RSNs at some point last year. Walter with a question. What do you think is the likelihood O'Hearn's option gets picked up? Coulomb's option seems like a no-brainer if he stays on track, but it seems like O'Hearn will get squeezed out unless he mashes. Yeah, I talked about this, uh, I believe, on Friday's podcast. Danny Coulomb has a club option now for $4 million for 2025. Uh, unless he tanks or gets injured, the O's are going to pick that up. O'Hearn's is going to be more interesting. It's for about $8 million for 2025. And again, you're right. With Mountcastle, with Kerstad, with Kowser, with Kobe Mayo, he could get squeezed off this roster. Here was my answer to this question Friday's episode. If O'Hearn produces just a repeat season of 2023, they'll pick it up. If he takes any step back, honestly, what they might do is pick it up and then try to immediately trade him. I could see them kind of doing that next offseason. All right, we got a few more questions here that we can get to. Bobby Bauman, any of these under-the-radar offseason signings have a chance to be contributors this season? I talked about Tucker Davidson already. I talked about Peyton Burdick already being in that conversation and eh, let's see if I can come up with one more name those would be my two main guys right now to try and help the Orioles maybe the last guy I'd go with is Jonathan Heasley Orioles got him in a minor trade a right-handed pitcher from the Royals earlier this offseason and I only say Heasley because of the injuries to Bradish and Means Heasley has a big vast array of pitches he throws six different pitches a couple of them are good some of them not so good but at the very least he could be a guy that eats innings as the five starter if the o's need him if there's more injuries and that could be super valuable if the o's get any more injuries to the pitching staff because they're one more injury away from being in a really really bad spot right here another question from bobby bobby bauman what is mike bauman's future with the o's no relation just rooting for a fellow bauman Mike Bauman was going to be in a really tough spot until the Bradish and Means injury. He's still right on the roster bubble, but I think with those injuries and with Irvin and Wells moving from the bullpen to the rotation, two more spots open up in the pen, and I think almost certainly one of those spots is going to go to Mike Bauman on opening day. Now, that doesn't mean right he's going to play a big role in the bullpen. He was really good in the first half last year, tailed off, got sent to AAA, and wasn't on the postseason roster at the end of the year. I think his command is still an issue, and it's not like too many walks command. It's too many mistake pitches in the middle of the zone that turn into home runs command for Mike Bauman. I still like the stuff. He needs to make some changes this offseason, but I think the injuries were kind of a break for him. He's got a front row seat to an opening day bullpen spot. He's just got to make the most of it at some point this year and really end up kind of locking down one of those spots. 
Let's see, we got time for, let's say, two more questions here on this mailbag episode. Got some questions about Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstang. Kind of talked about that a little bit. Here's a good one from Bergie. Do you see Westberg as a long-term starting option or will the prospects surpass him? What I see Jordan Westberg as long-term is like a fantastic super utility guy. He can play third. He can play short. He can play second. He can play a little bit of left field and right field if you need him to. He's a confident hitter. He's a good defender at all of those positions. I really see Jordan Westberg in the future, maybe never as a guy who plays or gets, you know, 600 plate appearances, but I see him as a guy that still plays 135, 140 plus games for the Orioles per season because even when he doesn't start, he's coming in as a pinch hitter and a defensive replacement and they're moving him around different spots. I think he can be such a versatile weapon that eventually I could see an out, an infield, even for the Orioles, of Mayo at third, Henderson at short, Holiday at second, Kerstad at first, but Westberg is that roving infielder, giving guys days off, hitting against the good matchups, playing a little outfield, being just a perfect player on the bench that I think is going to be really, really important for this Orioles team very long term. So let's see, one more question here. Let's see what we've got. Any more questions in the chat? Eh, Maybe that'll do it. Maybe we won't go with one more question. Just going to address one more thing at the end of the podcast. I see it in the Twitter comments. I see it in the YouTube comments. I see it in the comments here. The Orioles are not signing Trevor Bauer. It's not happening. No Major League Baseball team is signing Trevor Bauer. I I don't care. I, I don't care that he says he's going to play for the league minimum. Nobody's signing him. This is why I rarely address this ever on Twitter, on the podcast. It's not happening. You add in the fact that he's been accused of sexual assault by four different women. You add in the fact that he has been known as a horrendous teammate. Half his teammates in Japan didn't like him. The fact that he hasn't pitched in Major League Baseball since 2021. The fact that his stats went way down that year when they enforced the sticky stuff ban. He's just generally a nightmare, a terrible teammate, and not a good person who should not be playing in Major League Baseball. It's, It's really that simple. It's truly that simple. I don't understand the comments. Oh, you know, he got the charges dropped. There was one of the four cases where he settled out of court. One of the four cases. And guess what? Even in that spot, he still physically assaulted that woman. Knocked her unconscious. So even if you want to say, oh, you know, it was consensual, there was still him knocking her unconscious involved. And that's one of the four women who have accused him of sexual assault. If you want him anywhere near, anywhere near this Orioles team, that says a lot more about you than it does about anyone else. Maybe do a little look internally. If you think about this incredible, incredible clubhouse the Orioles have built, I got to give Mike Elias credit. They've done a fantastic job of building a clubhouse that these guys love each other. And I will say they've made a couple of mistakes in that front. And Michael Givens was one of them. And that was one of the reasons he was released mid-season last year. They've done a great job of cultivating a clubhouse of respect. These guys like each other. And that put this team over the edge. You could argue that they only had the talent of a 91-win team last year, which is still pretty great. One of the reasons why they won 101 games is because of that clubhouse. 
He doesn't deserve to be on the Orioles. He doesn't deserve to pitch in Major League Baseball. He doesn't deserve to pitch at all. And so, again, if you are commenting to me on Twitter, on YouTube, and if you're continuing to say, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer, you're going to get blocked on Twitter, first of all. It's very easy because it's not happening. And again, it says a lot more about you than it does about anyone else if you continue to beat the drum for Trevor Bauer. All right? Maybe take a look at yourself. Maybe think about how the women in your life would think about you continue to beat the drum for a guy who's been accused by four different women of sexual assault. Maybe do a little searching internally before you throw that out there. That's beyond the fact that the current version of Trevor Bauer, I don't think is better than Tyler Wells or Cole Irvin. Certainly not better than Kyle Bradish or John Means or anybody else in the O's rotation. So if he's not going to help the O's in a baseball sense, and it's going to be a detriment in every other sense, let's maybe be a little more welcoming to baseball fans. Let's, uh, let's maybe take a look at yourself. And again, if you continue to comment Trevor Bauer on Twitter, I'm just going to block you. So if you're mad about that happening, now you know why. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. There's a reason that none of the MLB teams, even teams that really need pitching, are even considering touching him with a 30-foot pole. Did you see the report from Sunday? He was throwing at the Angels facility. The Angels fans thought, oh, are, are we signing Trevor Bauer? No, Sam Blum of The Athletic reported not only were the Angels not watching him throw and thinking about signing him, they didn't know why he was there and kind of like kicked him out. So no team wants him. Even if he pushes his way onto their practice fields and throws, they want him out of there. It's not happening. So end it. And that's how we're in the podcast here. Thank you so much for all your questions on today's mailbag episode. We'll be back tomorrow talking about a couple roster moves the Orioles made over the last few days. Matt Crook, kind of an interesting lefty. They picked up from the Yankees on Sunday. Crazy strikeout numbers in the minors. Crazy walk numbers. Also doesn't throw hard. We're going to do a real good look into who this could be in the Orioles bullpen. To make room for Crook, they DFA'd infielder Diego Castillo who they had literally just claimed on Friday. It's been a wild offseason for Castillo. We'll talk about him a little bit and a few more Orioles news and notes from spring training coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, everyone.